Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, as you can imagine, I was a very imaginative child. I can see that. And when... Princess Diana died. I, like so many others, was swept up in the, um, in the aftermath and the, in the outpouring of grief. And it was also as a byproduct of Princess Di's funeral that I, you know, a certain, a certain young gent caught my eye on television. Charles? No. And I swooned as much as. Just let me get to this. And I swooned as much as any, oh, I don't know how old I was, 11 or 12 year old could. Prince William. I don't think you were alone in that. Fellow left-handed gentleman of royalty, blonde haired, blue eyed. Uh, I crushed really hard. I mean, I crushed so hard on him that I was convinced that I would go to Cambridge for college abroad and meet him in between classes because I guess I assumed that's where he would go to school. And I'd, uh, I'd pretend that I didn't know who he was because I was just mm-hmm. swept away in my studies like any, any good lady should be, not obsessed with princely things and that he would be so taken aback by my down to earth nature and my maturing beauty. <laughs> you know, Cause I, I would imagine myself, you know, at 12, you know, being some, some super hot babe on campus and that I would become the next, uh, princess die. I think, well, hopefully minus the death. Well, yeah, mi- minus, minus tragedy. Um, I think that you were not alone in that. And I remember when, uh, you must have been very disappointed to get your acceptance letter from Cambridge when he decided to go to St. Andrews in Scotland. Well, you know, by that time, actually the, the childhood illusion had faded. So I uh, didn't apply for Cambridge. But, you know, for many ladies that, that dream didn't fade. And I remember reading stories when he went off to college about how the, the incoming class at St. Andrews had spent so much on wardrobes. That they, you know, the perfect outfits they could wear to class to impress the prince and, uh, the perfect outfits to wear out at night to the pubs, to the clubs, uh, t- to meet the prince. So you certainly weren't alone in this fantasy. I mean, I, I really took it to the max though, because I distinctly remember sitting my mother down and having a conversation with her to let her know that I would be going abroad mm-hmm. at the age of 18 and she should be prepared for the media onslaught that would mm-hmm. happen when, when we met. I mean, I thought this thing was in the bag. Did you question her about skeletons she might have in her closet that would come back to haunt you later? No, but I did inquire as to any any royal lineage mm, on her side important. because she, we're of British and uh, Scotch blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, apparently there was a link to Winston Churchill that I was very Ooh. pleased to find out. Just about. casually slip it in on the third date. Yeah. BT dubs, Winston and I sharing oh, the same blood with us. Papa Winston. <laughs> um, so as you might have guessed, today's topic is the royal wedding between, it's not you, sadly, Kristen, it's Prince William and Kate Middleton. Yeah, you know, but Kate and I both have long, dark hair. I'm just, you know, it's fine. You're thinking if she gets lost in the crowd, you can just sneak out yeah, and I can just slip in, put on, put on my charming British accent. Mm. Go for it. And, you know, a lot of listeners, we, well, no, I guess not a lot. We've had a few people write in to say, like, 
Why is everyone obsessed with this royal wedding? Is it just something that girls have in common? I remember posting this on our Facebook wall and a lot of people were like, I don't care. Some people were like, I do. I'm waking up at 6 a.m. to watch the wedding. Why does this royal wedding have such sway over us? What is going on with it? Is it just that we like the people cover stories, that we want to read some online gossip, that we want to see a pretty dress? Or is there something deeper going on with this royal wedding? I mean, my first take is it's a nice distraction Mm -hmm. from things. Why else do we look at tabloids and celebrity blogs and things like that. But it's also, there's a nice backstory to it as well, because they're both 28. They're not getting married super young. They're both 28. They have dated each other off and on for, what, eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. They met in college. It's a story not unlike stories of how people meet and fall in love and get married today. Yeah, I think there's a lot of... um a lot of buildup being put on this wedding as the first modern royal marriage. And that, yes, they had a very long courtship as opposed to uh, Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Uh, Di just knew Charles for, you know, a few months. She yeah. called him sir throughout the whole dating period. And I think their dates were hit or her like going to watch him play polo. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was more not necessarily an arranged marriage, but, you know, a very, very formal arrangement made between two people of the right background. Yeah. And the big thing with Kate Middleton uh, is that she is from a middle-class family. Um, although in England, you know, which is very, very class conscious middle-class. I mean, she's, they're, they're wealthy. I mean, it's she's not got like, some resources. Yes. Yeah, she has some, some resources, uh, but she's not from aristocracy like princess Di. Mm-hmm. And you know, the last time I think that there was this really true love match between a British Royal and uh, someone that they truly loved was when Edward VII had to abdicate to marry the divor- divorcee Wallace Simpson. And and thanks to that, we have the Oscar-winning movie, The King's Speech, yes. starring Colin Firth. Yes. I mean, so royal <laughs> fever, I think, is at a high. And I think there's something about this British royal family that makes us go see movies about them, that makes us follow when they get married and when they get divorced. I mean, they, they do sell magazine covers and... Some people will say it's so strange that a monarchy can have such sway over us good Democrats in in America. You know, no one votes for a king, no one votes for a queen, but we still have this fascination with it. And I would say that, you know, especially for people of our generation, Kristen, it is probably because of Diana, of William, of seeing that specific family kind of rise and then fall. And then I, I would say they're rising again. Well, and Princess Di's wedding was such a huge event. I mean, even though I wasn't alive for the wedding, I still remember playing with my Princess Di paper dolls that included her wedding gown, which, of course, was the most extravagant paper doll dress included in the It set. was. It was so huge. I remember that paper doll dress. Wait, you had the same set of paper dolls? I think we've discussed this before. On the podcast? Yeah. Shoot. We do have the same. I think a listener sent us a picture of the of the set. But, yes, even though I wasn't born either, Kristen, it was like I was just because it's so ingrained, I think, in our public consciousness. You know, the the young princess, I think she was 20, getting out of that huge carriage with her huge gown. And everyone said, you know, it was this fairy tale. It was the ultimate. We, we I mean, we watched, we've talked about Disney princess culture and whether it's harmful or not. But we all kind of like that happy fairy tale ending of a princess and a prince getting together. Here it was in real life. So many people watched it. Uh, and, and, you know, it fell apart. And there's some question about whether that sort of modern awareness that marriages don't work out will will play will cast a shadow over this this particular wedding mm-hmm. of Kate and Will's. Well, maybe that whole tabloid inflated fantasy aspect of this wedding 
is maybe a reason why people, and I will say myself included, are not necessarily jumping for joy at the idea of this wedding. It's just kind of a public spectacle mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, is there really, I don't know, the whole, the whole princess culture while yes, we have, you know, it, it, it plays a significant role, especially in young girls lives, but we've also looked at it as from a more critical stance of maybe that's not uh very positive for today's young women. You know, should we be, should we be so excited about the prospect of this girl assuming this princess role that mm-hmm. it's highly restrictive? Mm-hmm. Right. It seems that for every piece about, you know, gossip about the wedding dress or, you know, what's going to go on with uh, the, the bachelor night, the stag party, if you will, uh, there is another piece that just highlights how many people could not care less about this wedding and so many of the pieces are based on, you know, the fact that more important things are going on in the world than a royal wedding. Yeah, maybe maybe over in Japan, they might know something about that. <laughs> but they're also focused on the fact that, you know, this is kind of an outdated institution. Do we need to pay attention to it? And then there are those who are saying that this wedding has to cement support for the royal family, that no pressure at all on that wedding. Um, and then there, you know, the question of whether this wedding is only appealing just certain people. There was this really interesting piece on the Grio by Lisa Bonner about whether black women cared about royal weddings. And apparently when she posted something on her Facebook, just as I did, uh, a lot of people were like, this is not an issue at all for the black community. And so, you know, I think that you can make the question of, is it just white girls like us, Kristen, who can imagine us, ourselves in this position? Or do are we alienating everyone else around us? I mean, you know, maybe we'll hear from our listeners that no one cares at all. I mean, I still read the gossip. I'm not going to lie. Well, I think we got to toss in a couple of of tidbits that we have talked about in previous podcasts related to royal weddings that indicate that, yes, there is there is some kind of social significance maybe to these kind of events. We have, for instance, Queen Victoria to thank for the typical white wedding gown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all sorts of trends will be set probably based on this wedding. Uh, I mean, what, what was it? The, the blue dress that she wore, Kate Middleton wore when they announced their publicly announced their engagement. There was a replica of that dress that quickly sold out on mm-hmm. QVC or HSN or something like that. Same for the ring. And, you know, men who claim not to be that interested in it, you know, might have daughters that are going to want that ring one day, might have girlfriends that are going to want that ring one day. So I think it will definitely set some trends just as, you know, Di's wedding did. But there was one really interesting quote in the BBC about how one reason not to care about a huge wedding is the fact that everyone has a huge wedding these days. And it does serve as a bit of a symbol of how kind of out of control wedding culture is and how, you know, yes, we want to see what they're going to do. But I bet there are a lot of brides out there who are already planning weddings bigger uh, bigger than Will's and Kate's, especially because Will and Kate are trying to come in on budget. What's the budget, Molly? Well, I can tell you this. They want to they wanna be pretty modest about it. There's, it's still going to be a pretty big chunk of change, and the government of Britain will have to foot the bill for police and security mm-hmm. and street management. Mm-hmm. But everyone is talking about how, while, yes, the monarchy might shell out quite a bit, for this wedding, uh, the country as a whole might benefit from all the visitors coming in, right. from all these souvenirs that are being made. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're calling it a win-win. I mean, you know, I'm, maybe we'll hear from some British listeners who are like, this is not a win-win. But, but you know, costs of royal weddings, they can, they can get big. Well, sure, because back in 1981, when Charles and Diana wed, it cost 6.5 million bucks. 
Is that pounds or dollars? That's dollars. Wow. So I wonder what it was in pounds. I'm not good at conversions. Probably in today's currency, about three million pounds. <laughs> so yes, whatever the final number ends up being, it's going to be it's going to be an expensive wedding, and uh, we'll all be sort of watching Kate. And uh, you know, one last article I kind of want to toss out just for food for thought was this article that talked about how the good feelings of the royal wedding uh, overruled feminist concerns you might have about it. And uh, I thought it was really interesting that that you could tie feminist concerns this way. It makes sense because. We think of the monarchy as this very sort of restrictive, you know, doesn't like people like Princess Di who go out and forge their own path Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, you know, and and go against the queen's wishes. But there are so many articles right now about how Kate Middleton is going to be this modern day princess who's going to be the first future queen with a college degree. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see after the wedding sort of what path she chooses and whether our own vision of what a princess can be is changed by what she chooses to do. I mean, like the one thing I remember reading that a, I don't think is true, but is interesting was that, um, they're not going to have any housekeepers when they set up their home in Wales. Oh, that's totally false. Where, where William is finishing his, his Royal service. Um, yeah, it's totally false, but at the same time, doesn't it kind of play into what we expect of this, of this person not to be this really pampered princess who gets everything. Someone who actually, you know, cooks dinner for her husband. Do we want this, are we going to project on her this idea of having it all, of being able to? Pre- Is that are you lumping cooking dinner for her husband in with having it all? Well, I'm just saying, do we expect her to be the perfect housewife, a perfect mother, to go on all these diplomatic tours, to never wear the same outfit in public twice, so that we have a, you know all the stuff to look at in the tabloids? I mean, we talked about once how first lady is the hardest job, but I think Kate, even though she's got this job that's not really technically something she applied for, is going to have a lot of pressure on her as as this wish fulfillment for all of us. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how quickly the public attention will turn from the wedding to when she's going to get pregnant. Right. I mean, you know, talk about being defined by motherhood. That family, a woman who marries a future king, she's got to she's got to pump out not just a kid, but a son. Yeah. And they're already talking about whether they can change the rules of succession so that if she has a girl first, whether that person will just, uh, uh, you know, go up to the throne. Without, without having to see control to her brother. I really think that they should just pass the crown to Harry, but that's just me. <laughs> um, but this was my, my favorite fact from all this research on the royal wedding. William and Kate are actually related. They're 15th, True. they're 15th cousins on the Spencer side. But you know, the whole reason they went into her genealogy was just to prove that she was, was kind of like worth him, you know, since she isn't an aristocrat. It was kind of like they wanted to prove that she had some royal blood back in there even if her parents did own a party planning business. Well, let us know what you're planning to do on April 29th, 2011. A princess party? The day to end all days. <laughs> that really doesn't make any sense. But yeah, that's the date of the uh, the royal wedding. Are you going to tune in? Are you going to sleep through it like I might? Are you going to have a princess party like Molly? We can all tape it. That's the thing. It's like in today's modern society, it's going to be on the internet all day. Are you going to live stream it? <laughs> if I can make it up at 6 a.m. I haven't made it up at 6 a.m. in a while, but <laughs> you should start training now. I should. Wedding training. should practice. <laughs> Get up, wear some high heels for a few hours, and then go back to bed. I would eat celebratory cake, though. Oh, I'm going to make some celebratory scones, I think. Oh. Doesn't that sound yummy? That does sound good. And if you have, if you do have royal wedding fever, I do want to point out that uh, our sister company, TLC, is all over the royal wedding. And our coworker Candace Keener from you may remember from the history class history class podcast 
is in charge of the Royal Wedding blog on TLC. So check that out if you want all the gossip. Well, we've got a little gossip from the listeners to share with some emails sent to us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. I've got one here from Kate, and this is in response to our episode on nuns. And she writes, I attend Catholic high school in New Zealand that was started up by the Sisters of Mercy, an order of nuns. Right beside our school campus is a convent belonging to the Sisters of Mercy. Although the sisters no longer teach at our school, they're active members of our school as a community. They organize us to donate money to causes, and they're always present at the larger school events, and occasionally a sister will come talk to us at a school assembly. Another link I have to nuns is that my religion teacher, quote-unquote, used to be a nun. After listening to the podcast, I realized that this is not entirely true. I still always think about the Sister Act when I think about nuns, followed by Miss Clavel of the Madeline Picture Books. She's a French nun who wears a full habit, and I always associate her with my vision of the habit. So thank you, Kate. I have one here from Annie, and it's on the Vibrator Podcast. She wrote, I was wondering if you guys might be able to inform your listeners about something I learned recently at a workshop at my college held about sex toys. Do not use vibrators or any kind of sex toy for that matter that is made with harmful chemicals or dyes. Just do a little research before you buy one to make sure it's safe. So good advice there. And if you have any letters you'd like to send our way, our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. We'd also love to see you over on Facebook. We're so close to having 5,000 fans on Facebook, and that's such a lovely round number. So if you wanted to get over there and just click like, that would make me extremely happy. And then finally, you can find us over at Twitter, at momstuffpodcast. And, of course, you can read our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?